The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all across the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert. Today, uh, looking back and looking ahead, religious liberty, the sanctity of life, marriage, educational freedom, it's the best of times, and it's the worst of times. And to talk about that, we have, again, back on the Liberty Action Alert, Ryan Tucker, Senior Counsel and Director of the Center for Christian Ministries with Alliance Defending Freedom. Welcome, Ryan. Greg, great to be with you. Well, I really want to talk to you about this because, first of all, ADF has been a great partner to so many, not just the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty and our churches, but churches all around the country with the Church Alliance fighting these battles. And again, folks, when they fight the battle, they're fighting the battle so that you can get the word out. They don't. That's not their job. Their job is to be the ones battling to make sure that you have that protection, and they do it so very well. And that's why I want to talk about what do you think? You've been in them in this mix now with the churches for uh, the last several years, obviously. But what what were some of the the, the good cases? Some of the positive things of twenty twenty two. And then what were some of the challenges that hit us? And and what is this going to mean for the church as we go forward? Sure. Well, you know, 2022 was actually a, a really good year for, for religious freedom, for, for free speech. And there were a number of great victories at the United States Supreme Court. In fact, you know, I, if you go back just a year ago, uh, I was in the throes of uh, helping prepare some briefing that was going up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that briefing was on uh, one of... Uh, President Biden's private employer uh, vaccine mandates. That's so that's right. the one that would impact uh, institutions that had 100 or more employees. And at first glance, you may think, well, how in the world does that impact you know, religious liberty, religious freedom? Uh, the concern was the fact that we received a number of calls from schools and religious organizations saying, you know, wait a second, the federal government's going to invade our space and tell us what we should be doing in the employment context? And uh, the answer to that, of course, is no, uh, they, they shouldn't. The president shouldn't be mandating that. OSHA shouldn't be mandating that, regardless of the thoughts of the efficacy of the vaccine. Right. So we filed several lawsuits. There were scores of lawsuits actually filed across the United States. Uh, as you know, all of those uh, were consolidated. Eventually, there was argument heard last January at the U.S. Supreme Court. Where the U.S. Supreme Court came in and said, nope, the federal government does not have that authority. And so while the court didn't specifically address some of the religious uh, liberty arguments, what's great is the fact that uh, those schools that contacted us, those religious organizations, didn't have to uh, be burdened, be acting, if you will, as the henchmen for uh, the federal government in that space. So we started the year off with a bang. And hey, let me jump. Let me jump yeah. in on that. I, I watch this stuff closely, and sometimes I can't even get a handle on it. It does seem that we finally put this nonsense of government overreach and and coming after people with the vax mandates. Is that now finally I, in the dustbin of I, history? I think we're on the downward uh, slope of that. You still have uh, some uh, litigation 
uh, still brewing in in particular like in the military space right, right. Uh, in the private space where you have maybe a private employer that has required it and so you have in some instances one-off uh lawsuits but uh that threat which also threatens you know among others adf that threat was averted by the u.s supreme court stepping in and saying look you don't have the power to do this wow. and so thanks for uh, the fights that was a great that was a great victory and you know not soon thereafter we had the case of carson v macon and for your guests carson v macon was it was a big deal that was um a case that involved religious schools in maine right and in maine and in different parts of the northeast there are some uh areas where they have school districts that don't have public high schools and so what do those districts do well, historically, they've paid for those students to go to private schools. They actually pay for their tuition. Right. The problem was that in places like Maine and also like Vermont, where ADF was also litigating at the same time, the state governments or local governments were saying, well, wait a second, we're not going to, we're going to offer this public benefit, but those religious people, we're going to put you to the curb. You cannot participate in that. And so Carson B. Macon came out um, in February and uh, the majority of the court said no if if you are offering this public benefit you can't treat these religious individuals as second-class citizens if you offer a public right. benefit you have to offer it to everyone and so that was a great victory for those religious schools uh in the northeast now as you would expect there continue to be some skirmishes up there in particular in in vermont and uh, even in places like maryland not far from you there are some concerns about what local governments are doing relative to the right of these uh, students and schools to participate in the public square. Yeah, let me jump in and just say you, you we were talking about this earlier that you said these are these victories are building on other victories. And you talked about the Trinity Lutheran case again, yeah. when when you can't discriminate, you can't say we're giving it to everybody but church people. And let me also add, folks, they're not paying for anything. This is our money going to them that has to be directed to schools. And all we're saying is, you know what? If you're going to give everybody 15 grand or 12 grand or whatever, give it to the parents and let the parents take it wherever they want. That's what we're ultimately fighting for. Because this notion that now we've, we're giving it to these schools, even when they actually act as agents against our wishes, they've already got our money. That's just ridiculous. That's like going to a restaurant and saying, uh, I'll pay for the dinner. Uh, and then when you won't serve me what I want, then you still keep my money. They're not paying for anything. That's our money going through them to a school system. And what we're saying is, in this case, Macon, they didn't even have a school there. Let them go to whatever school they want. Okay, back to you. These build, right? That's, no, that's exactly right. I mean, these these religious liberty victories, they're building blocks. So without the the Lutheran school in Missouri taking a stand in, in, in the 2015 range and, and eventually resulting in a great victory in 2017, Carson v. Macon probably wouldn't have come about. Wow. So these are building blocks. So it's important for your listeners and those that are paying attention to these issues to understand that it's it's so important to to truly take a stand because the next victory is really born out of a prior victory that came before it. Excellent. I, you know, I would say beyond that, obviously, one of the great, great victories uh, this past year was the overturning of Ro Roe v. Wade. You know, right. Dobbs v. Jackson, women's health. That was a monumental victory. Uh, there, the court said that the so-called right to abortion has no basis in the Constitution's text or in our nation's history. The Constitution doesn't confer a right to abortion. 
And uh, ADF was fortunate to be able to be knee deep in that. We worked with the state of Mississippi. We helped draft and defend its pro-life law all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And obviously, those battles continue. Uh, your listeners, no doubt, have heard of the many different um, legislative attempts to curtail that great victory. And those battles will, of course, be born into 2023. But I also think it's important for your listeners to understand we all know how heinous abortion is. We also need to understand, I think, how heinous the U.S., the U.S.'s policy towards abortion has been and where we actually fit in the grand scheme of things worldwide. First off, 75 percent of nations don't even permit abortions at all or, right. or at most they limit you know, the 12 weeks. And the U.S. is an extreme outlier here in law and policy. We're only one of six nations, including China and North Korea, that have allowed abortion on demand to go up to birth. So anytime you're you're in the throes of the likes of China and North Korea on on issues uh, like this, that is extremely troubling. Again, we're we're we're, we're thrilled about the uh, the Supreme Court's decision here, but certainly as we look ahead. You know, just as an example, there's been no less than a dozen different states that have uh, that we've talked to that we are currently assisting uh, legislators in defense of some of their pro-life legislation that they put forward. And so, you know, you may see uh, a victory at a district court or a loss at a district court. And a lot of these cases are making their way through the courts of appeals. But um, uh, legislators like in Montana and North Carolina, West Virginia, Iowa, we've had an opportunity to come in and, and assist them in pursuing litigation and in defense of uh, the unborn. Yeah. And this is where I like to jump in and just say, folks, um, again, how the where our culture goes with these issues. Uh, it's great to have ADF, Ryan Tucker doing all this kind this kind of work. I mean, that's incredible stuff. Thanks for being in the trenches. But when it comes down to the culture, that's our job. Our job is to be a voice. And and if you're going to be God's people, you need to be God's voice in the culture, too, not just for the sake of your ministry, but for the sake of the culture, because the culture can go over the edge. We've seen that in cultures all across the world, you know, in history, too. Part of God's law is to preserve us from being the worst that we can possibly be. It may not save us, but it prevents us from being the worst. And if the church won't be God's voice of the law and be God's voice of morality in the world, why should we expect the world to be kind? Why should we expect the world to be moral? Why should we expect the world to actually aspire to marriage and the things that God says are right uh, in our lives? And I think that's where we're starting to fall down a little bit, even as church people. We, we're, we're almost saying— uh, well, you go litigate that for us in the court. And the reality is we need to be the ones culturally upstream telling the narratives about why this is so important and this is so vital to our culture. And if by the time it gets to the court level, if, you know, we just saw that with the Respect for Marriage Act, I call it the Disrespect for Marriage Act, but we just saw legislators capitulate even when they know that it was the wrong thing to do about marriage or that was the wrong thing to do about uh, having the same standard for all people. But they did it because they think that the narrative is on the side of of, of tolerating uh, all these different views on things when the narrative is really the state shouldn't be involved in this at all if that's what they're going to do. So so you said we, we, we had some great victories but you're also saying we're, we we had some losses towards the end of the year. Was that due to the fact that we just weren't ready for the narrative, do you think? Well, I mean, just to reiterate what you just said, I mean, if if you you may have great legal arguments 
Uh, but if you're losing in the court of public opinion, you know, oftentimes that's very troublesome because a lot of these jurists will look often, they shouldn't, but they'll look often to what's happening in, in everyday life and sometimes uh, make decisions accordingly. So I, 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 I second what you say about the, the importance of, of speaking out and speaking, speaking truth. So that's, that's one of the things where we, we try to advocate, not just in the courts, but also in Max public opinion. But as to your question on, things that, you know, were more disappointing. Certainly, you you mentioned the Respect for Marriage Act. That would be, I mean, obviously, it's recent for us, um, but I would say that that was something that we're very troubled by. You know, there's no real protections in there for religious uh, individuals or organization. There was a lot of um, uh, mouthing of, of, of these supposed protections, but none of them are, are truly there. So, for example, uh, language in there saying that well a church you know doesn't have to host a same-sex wedding well those were those are protections that already existed i mean saying that well you can rely on the first amendment the constitution or even looking at just a few years back another adf case the uh, jack phillips case masterpiece cake shop said that you know churches aren't going to be beholden to that so simply putting that in the in the bill into the eventual law makes really no difference, no sense. It also leaves, you know, religious social services organizations vulnerable. You know, you have an adoption foster care provider. They want to place uh, children with with those that believe in, in biblical sexuality. Uh, what's going to happen there? There's also concerns about nonprofits and their tax exempt status. You know, Senator Mike Lee had a, an amendment that he proposed. And it was very sensical, um, and it would have provided some protection, but that was shot down. Well, the concern is, of course, that the IRS at maybe some later point is going to look at this and say, is your request to be non-exempt contrary to public policy, or does it vi violate some national policy? And if if the Respect for Marriage Act is now, quote unquote, national policy, well, then does that give the IRS the right to maybe conclude an organization is no longer charitable for purposes of the act so there we are very much concerned about what that may mean for the future but again i i remain optimistic though even looking ahead into 2023 that if someone or an entity were to try to use such a law that uh adf will be ready willing and able to defend their right well, again, I keep saying that thank God for you guys and and even our work in in Washington. We're not we're not evangelists for the church. I mean, we're defenders of the right for the church to be the church. And I I try to use an analogy, a football analogy. You know, when we're trying to share the gospel, share the unique message of the gospel, that's like a uh, a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver scoring a touchdown. Okay, that's that's what our team is trying to do. But we also have blockers. <laughs> you know, we we have, and so I look now and I say, that's what I am. I'm an offensive line coach, and all the people I work with are blockers. We never get the score. No one ever interviews us at the end of the game. But if we don't do our job, nobody scores on our team. And And I'm just saying to people, we need to learn how to block better. Because they, when they sack our quarterback, we should not be uh, congratulating their defensive line. And that's what it seems like we tend to do in this politics stuff. Like tolerance is, tolerance is, is a byproduct of a worldview that, that we actually espouse. It is not the virtue that we play by. And so we're, we're here to block. We're here to make sure that our, our team has a shot at doing what it's called to do. And I think that's what bothered me about the, the Respect for Marriage Act. There was a thing called the fairness for all policy that I think was undergirding this. And I kept saying to even our church people, yeah, but we're throwing certain Christians under the bus. 
You know, we'll protect our schools, we'll protect our churches, but then we're not going to protect the Christian businessman. We're not going to, and and so you, you're you're basically letting them demonize our view. So now, marriage between a man and a woman for life is suspect in our culture by this law. No, I'm, you and I disagree about what marriage is, but you're not going to demonize my perspective. Well, that's what this bill can do because now it's like we'll give you an exemption for your crazy view. But the reality is, no, no, no. This is a this is a positive, powerful, culture affirming view. Man and woman is what a marriage is. And if if the government it, it, government shouldn't be taking sides, then if that's they should either limit their scope to a man and a woman because that's the only one that can have a child or a new citizen. If they can't limit it to that, the government should get out of this whole business. Right. And they want the other direction. Right. Right. Amen to that. And of course, we saw evidence of that just a few weeks ago. Um, Kristen Wagner, our, our our new president and CEO of, of ADF, argued the 303 creative case at the U.S. Supreme Court. And right. there in the state of Colorado, the, the government of Colorado was saying, uh, look, uh, graphic designer or creative professionals in, in, in the state, we know best. And if if you don't affirm messages that you disagree with, so for example, if if a, a creative professional, in this instance, Lori Smith of 303 Creative, if if someone comes to her with a same-sex uh, marriage request, then the state is saying you must do that. You must speak certain messages. And think about that. Think about the, the founding of our nation, the First Amendment. I mean, what could be more antithetical than for the government to come in and say, no, you must say this. And so um, the argument happened just about three weeks ago. Uh, we won't know until sometime in 2023, most likely closer to June, when the Supreme Court nears uh, the end of its term. Um, but the, the mere fact that we have a, 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 a state governance, uh, a governmental body saying that, the mere fact that we have a court of appeals saying that that affirming that kind of um, uh, legal reasoning is, is quite concerning. But again, uh, you, yeah, you must speak the the now the governmental uh, view of these things. And these are issues of conscience. These are issues of morality. And there are the good people can disagree on these things. And they're saying, no, you can't. Yeah, and absolutely. you're right. That's troubling. It's very troubling. And it actually hurts those that, again, as you point out, disagree with us. We're actually fighting for the rights of all to say things, Correct. you know, because it's nice when the government's on your side, but when they're not, then what? And right. and so we just shouldn't be in that in in, the, in that space. The, 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 the United States wasn't founded on those principles. And so we remain very optimistic that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to reverse um, that that horrible horrible decision and, and provide a mechanism for creative professionals like Lori Smith and others to to use the gifts that God's given them for his glory. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I teach people, because that's one of our jobs, too, is to teach our people where these freedoms came from and how they're rooted in uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview and how they're rooted in the notion that God uh, gave you rights that are higher than government because government doesn't grant rights. I guess I, uh, the troubling thing, I was talking to another lawyer on the Hill and I said, even about, you know, this the, the Respect for Marriage Act, I said, the government doesn't grant rights of relationships. That's not what they do. You have individual rights before the law. And even marriage from a government point of view is them taking away the rights of a man and a woman and making them sign a contract because they've got a vested interest in the child. This notion that the government grants us rights. And I said, you know, that's the narrative that we've got to take back. And he said, well, that's he said to me, that's been lost. We've lost that narrative. And I thought, well, that's not good. 
you know, if we've lost, because this idea that, that you, the last people you want defining what a healthy relationship is are government people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Absolutely. DC people. Put, putting your full faith and trust in the, in the government, yeah. which side of the aisle you're on is very, very troubling. But, That's absolutely right. But how do we get, I mean, am I, am I too, is my concern overblown? Cause I just thought I've, I never thought the government granted my relationship rights. That's not what they do. They, they, there's individual rights before the law and we protect that. Uh, are we, again, is that a narrative that's being spun in a different direction? And how are we going to, how are we going to take that back if, if we've already lost it? Well, well, I, I think it starts with, with each of us individually, you okay. know, making sure that, you know, in conversation with, with our friends, our family, even today, you know, and, and Christmas, um, we're, we're going to be surrounded by those that I'm sure, not that you want to just bring up politics right after <laughs> you see your hand, <clears throat> but, but the reality is there's, there's opportunities that God gives us. Number one, to, 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 to preach the gospel, to share the gospel with others, you know, right. um, that is our great commission, but uh, part and parcel to uh, those discussions is, is, is really speaking truth. And that involves, you know, life issues and marriage, just concrete things that are, that our country was, was really founded upon. And so you have to have the uh, ability, the gumption to, to, to have those open and honest conversations and to, to reach out to assist uh, organizations like yours and others that are, that are out there speaking truth. You know, if you remain silent, then, you know, uh, go figure what, right. what happens. Um, and so I think that's where we get into some of these situations where things don't go awry, or maybe an election doesn't go the way we thought it would go, uh, on certain issues. You know, it's the importance of speaking out. God doesn't promise victory that, you know, right. oh, EDF, if you bring this lawsuit or if you try to shepherd this legislation through, that it's just, you know, it's always going to happen. But I think there's the importance of doing what God has called us to do. And that is to, to, to spread his name, to speak truth. And to obviously do it in a loving manner, but to not lay down to those that are speaking uh, falsities. Falsehoods, yeah. You cannot, someone said, you, ca you can't legislate morality. I think that's ridiculous because all legislation is morality, but you surely can't legislate immorality. Right. <laughs> you get to a point where no no government can survive being immoral eventually. And I think that's what you're saying. The tr Speaking the truth, that's what sets us free. You know, I don't know if you ever, there was a book, and, and I've said this on this program several times, What If Jesus Were Never Born? D. James Kennedy wrote it a long time ago. It's a simple, straightforward book, and it talks about these principles that flow from a, this worldview that obviously is rooted in God doing his work in the world through his son, Jesus Christ. But even things like universal education, which everyone says we we supposedly deserve, that flowed from the, Re that flowed from the Reformation. Because nobody thought about teach, teaching the the underclass because they they needed to be ruled. Well, here comes this guy named Luther and says, "Well, God loves everybody and He wants everyone to know His His word, so everyone should read." Well, that's where universal education came from, and so we have all these benefits in the West that that are rooted in this beautiful message, folks. We can we can defend that message in the public square, and ADF is going to protect you to do just that. Um, any final thoughts about what we can be prepared for in twenty? 2023? Well, I mean, first off, just, you know, remember um, as great a year as it was, and while we did have uh, a few hiccups there here and there, you know, God is still on his throne. You know, right. we're just called to um, uh, to do what he is, is asked and to, uh, to be vigilant in that. But I look forward to the coming year. I expect 2023 to 
uh, be full of opportunities um, to to keep the doors open for the spread of the gospel, which ultimately is our motto here at ADF. Well, and uh, the Church Alliance at ADF, if you don't know about that, go to their website. Uh, the website's ADF.org or ADF or AllianceDefendingFreedom.org, right? If you go to ADFChurchAlliance.org, uh, that'll lead you there, or more simplistically, ADFLegal.org will get you to the same spot. Very good. Well, I'll just close with this thought. You know, I always tell people it's not whether we win the culture war or the cultural battles or lose them. It's whether we engage. And we're going to engage those things for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church. And Ryan, thank you for being a partner with us uh, on that. Thanks for being here. You as well, Greg. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Sells. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 